So get your Bibles out. I want to share a word with you this morning. Go to the book of Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Um, this is the second part of the second part that I was teaching on the Holy Spirit. So if, I, if you're trying to keep good notes, good luck, because I kind of got them all messed up. But anyway, I talked last week about the Holy Spirit and uh, about how Jesus is the one who poured his blood out for you. He's the one that that fulfilled everything so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out here on, uh, on all of us. And I want to go on with that message. But before I do that, you know, I just want to talk because I'm trying to figure out this message out. i got a whole bunch of stuff, and so I'm just going to ramble around here for a little bit till I find the trail. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, all you great people are here in church this morning. Everybody's out there tuned in watching. And, you know, when I look at you know, I've, I've been serving the Lord for since 1985. So when I got saved, I started serving the Lord with all of my heart and, uh, and got into to, uh, full gospel circles. And, and, you know, and God started doing things with me and touching my life and changing me and doing things in my whole family. And, and I never felt like I was like really a radical Christian. You know what I mean? Like, I just thought I was a Christian. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, I just read my Bible and what it said I did, and I just believed it. And just when I just thought I was just a Christian, you know. And, and then as, as <laughs> time's gone on, been pastoring here for 30 years, you know, like it's kind of funny because I know when somebody comes to the doors of the church here, y'all had to pay a price unless you just didn't know. Like you're not from around here and you just didn't know and said, oh, look at that church. Look at that great church. And you came walking in the doors and said, oh, it's just what I was looking for. But if you're from around here, you know, you know you have to pay a price to come to Living Waters Church because for some reason everybody thinks we're crazy. And so then that makes me the leader of the crazies. And so uh, I guess I'm the craziest of the crazies. I don't know how that works out. But, you know, I just never see it like that. I personally just don't see it. I'm just living my life for Jesus. I'm not trying to be uh, over the top or, or anything, you know, like what I said to y'all just a while ago is totally, completely what I believe, and I believe it's scriptural that, you know, we're to shout to the Lord. We don't have to, you know, be, and, that, and so that may not be comfortable to some people, but I believe you're wrong. <laughs> I believe you're not following the Bible, okay? And so I just think that a lot of people are going to be shocked when they get to heaven. They're going to say, oh, this is a little too wild for me. Where are you going to go? I mean, there's only two doors, right? <laughs> up or down. Two buttons in the elevator. Up or down. So, I mean, you can't like, I say, oh, you know, do you have another section, Lord, that's a little quieter? No. I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. I mean, the Bible talks about the angels, which are, there is an, an innumerable. That means not being able to number how many there are. Okay, so you talk about God knows all the stars in the sky, and he knows all their names and all that, that and, and that. So there's got to be more angels than that because he knows every one of them, but there's so many angels, you can't even put a number on them. And it, they all shout every time one person gives his life to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. The day you got saved and you said, Jesus, I believe you, my Lord and Savior, come into my life. An innumerable multitude of angels all shut. Now, how much noise do you think that is? 
I mean, just imagine what, just imagine, I keep using the Super Bowl because it's today. Just imagine how much noise is created in the Super Bowl, right? With everybody shouting and going on, and they're numbered. I don't know how many people will be there, but they're numbered. So what I'm saying is heaven's a noisy place. And so you better get used to it. And you better get in the groove because you're going to get freaked out. When you step across the line and say, what? So anyway, and the second thing that kind of gets people nervous is talking about the Holy Spirit. And I want you all to understand something. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to be, to be, ever be scared of the Holy Spirit. I've showed you all through the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, he's absolutely God. He is as much a God as Jesus is God and God the Father is God. The Holy Spirit with you. But he's not going to ever do anything to you. He's not going to ever violate your free will. He's not going to come upon you and make you do something. If you ever come tell me, well, I was praying the other day and the Holy Spirit fell on me and, 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 and he just forced me to do this, I'd say, man, you, you got something else wrong. Because God doesn't do that. Amen? Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Everything I know about the Holy Spirit, I've learned over years and years of experience, and I've seen some wild things. I could tell y'all stories right now that make hair stand up on the back of your neck. Places I've been and things I've seen take place and what I've seen the Holy Spirit do. But I'm just telling you, I, I, I never have feared the Holy Spirit. But when you start to separate churches, churches start getting separated over this issue about the Holy Spirit. They start getting Freaked out when they say, oh, I want them Holy Ghost churches. <laughs> you know, and, then, and then that's it, man. They don't want anything to do. When everybody should be wanting a helper, a comforter, a guide in through this life who is God. Right? I mean, we should want that. We should want it more than anything in the world. And not be ignorant and say, I don't know, that kind of scares me. And just say, you need to get over that. Hello? Okay. So I showed you last week that, the, that Jesus is the one who poured his blood out upon the mercy seat. And then he sent, he told the Father, and the Father sent the Holy Spirit. Okay? And he came down. So now the Holy Spirit's available to everyone who's a believer. Now he's a gift in the sense that you don't have to memorize a certain number of scriptures. You don't have to have church, perfect church attendance. You don't have to, you know, jump through a certain loop or reach a certain level of sanctification before then you can be filled with the Holy Spirit because it's a gift poured out. And a gift means it's free and there's only one thing you have to do, which is found in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus is speaking, so he says, So I, I say to you, ask it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the only, only thing that is required of you is to ask. 
There's nothing else. If you want the Holy Spirit to fill you and be with you, all you got to do is ask. That's it. You say, well, that's too simple. Well, that's what happens to us. See, we all get out like, oh, I don't know. What's going on? Right? You get that old deal like an old cow going through a new gate. You know, they're just like, something's wrong. Something's up. It's new something up. And you're like, you're an idiot. Get in the pen. And that's the way Christians are. Something's new. Everybody freezes. Don't know what to do. There's a real problem in the body of Christ. Because I believe, when I say the body of Christ, I'm not talking about us just particular. I'm talking about the whole, everybody that claims they're a Christian. Because a lot of Christians don't know how to act. All right? And you, you know people, listen, you know, you know people, and, and sometimes a person who's the loudest is only the loudest because they're really scared. Right? And they're just trying to talk loud so that everybody else will back down. And, uh, but Christians, I don't believe, really know how to act. And there's a certain amount of them who, who live under a spirit of timidity and humbleness that is false. It's religious, and they do that because they think that's the way you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be pious, and so therefore you keep yourself in your room. You're not vocal, and, you know. And then there's other Christians who have gone the other side of the spectrum. And you're like, would you just be quiet and sit down? Right? And, and so I just believe Christians. And so what I want to endeavor to do today in talking about the Holy Spirit, I want to show you some things about what it, what, what it would look like for a Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to see, I want, I want you to look at signs rather than, let, let me change that. I want you to be looking for signs to tell if a person's filled with the Holy Spirit or following the Holy Spirit besides speaking in tongues or acting strange. How about that? Okay? So I want you to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Because he said, if you ask, you receive. But then a lot of questions are questioned. Well, am I, am I full of the Holy Spirit? Am I full of the Holy Spirit? And then there's a certain section of Christians will say, well, if you didn't speak in tongues, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. And other sections over here said, oh, when you got saved, you got all there's going to get there, anything out there. There's just this big, big bunch of stuff smoke out there. And I just want to try to give you some straight up things here from the Word of God. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you can't find it in the Word, it's not right. So Acts 1-7, Jesus is speaking. He said, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, last week we looked at when Jesus poured out his blood and he made a way. Then we see Acts chapter 2, the, the, the day of Pentecost coming and the Holy Spirit being poured out. We see 
the apostle Peter stepping up and saying, this is what was happening in the book of Joel. This is it. This is the pouring out of God's spirit. This is the Holy Spirit coming. So I'm taking it right at their word that that's what happened. Hello? Y'all with me? So Jesus said prior to this happening, he said, look, when this does happen, something's going to happen to you. The first thing is you're going to receive power. Power. Okay? Now the word there for power is the word deutimus. And that word deutimus means dynamite. Literally explosion. It means power that moves something. I saw a, uh, an article said that the earthquake that took place in Turkey, that the, the power that was released in the shifting of those tectonic plates was equal to 500 atomic bombs the size that went off in uh, World War II in Hiroshima. 500 of them going off at one time. That's how much power was released when those two plates shifted. I don't know if some of y'all seen that. You ought to go look it up. I saw a video of, of a, it's the, it's the, what do you call it when the, when the cameras are going slow, you know, like a, yeah, like a slow motion from a satellite, and you can literally see the ground move. It's wild at how much it shifted. That's dynamite. That's power. Okay? So let me read the definition of, of power here. It says it's an inerrant power, the power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Now think about this. Just listen to these definitions. Power residing, like a battery, has power in it, right? Wow. Just think about it. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, so now there's power residing in you. What kind of power? Not DC. Right? But the power of Christ, the power of God in you, residing in you, your battery, residing in a thing by virtue of its nature, or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth, also means power for performing miracles, a moral power, and an, an excellence of soul, a moral power, a moral power. Christians today are coming under more fire than ever before because of the, the, this, this demonic spirit going on. And so Christians are being looked at as the bad guys because we believe the Bible. Okay? And so do we need strong moral power in this day to stand up? Right. Okay, this is what it's for. It also means the power and influence which would belong to the rich or the wealthy. They would use that word too in, as, and, and, as deutimus there because it means the ability to buy, the ability to have power to do something. The power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, or military. So you look at that and they would use the word that way to say there, there is a strong military might. Or strong military presence. Okay? The second word here says you're going to have, you're going to receive power. Let me go back and read it. Let me go back and read it here. It says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me. 
in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Okay? The word witness. Okay? That word is the word martyr. So we get our word martyr from. Now, nobody thinks about a martyr it being good, right? It's, it's a violent death as a Christian. But listen to what the word witness means. It can mean in a legal sense or in a historical sense. One who is a spectator of anything of or a contest. So you, you could be a witness if you saw it happen, right? But then you're also a witness when you're declaring what you saw. And it can also mean those who, with their strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ, undergo a violent death. <laughs> like, we don't want to talk about that. But anyway, a witness being that you're testifying, you have the power to testify of what you've seen happen in your life to somebody else. That's the witness that he's talking about here. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the very first thing he says here that's going to happen in your life is you're going to have power to stand in the face of adversity and keep your witness. Now, 2 Timothy 1.7 says God had given us a spirit of fear. And that word fear there means timidity. In other words, streaking back. But it's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Now, folks, listen to me. As Christians, ever in the world need to be standing strong in power is now. Do you know that to, in every day, and it was a survey done in 2020, they said 13 Christians are martyred or killed because they're Christians in the world every day. The survey said that Christianity is the most persecuted group on earth today. More than the Jews, more than the Muslims, more than Hindus, Buddhists, Christians are. Why? Because the devil wants to have his heyday and he needs to get you out of the way. And what the, what the deal is, is that if he is scared, the devil is scared, that if you ever know who you are, because he knows he's lost. He knows he's defeated. He knows he has no power over your life. He knows that the, that the court case and battle's already been held and he's already been found guilty. And he knows that the, you know, Jesus is in charge and he knows all that. He just doesn't want you to know it. Because if you do know it, then you have the right to exercise authority over him. And so therefore, he doesn't want that to happen. And so if he can keep you in ignorance and timidity and, and backing off, then... You know what happens? He wins. It's like a police officer standing on the side of the road and cars are speeding by and he's just standing there saying, I wish they'd slow down. The authorities invested in him when he performs his action and pulls him over. Right? You as a Christian, if you never exercise your authority, then... How in the world can God ever move through you? I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's just too good. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 15. Let's talk about this power for a minute. Ephesians 1, 
Ephesians 1.15. I'm going to start. I've got to read five verses here, so just bear with me. Therefore, I also offer... No, I, <laughs> therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. This is what he was praying, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Here you go. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? What about exceeding greatness of his power? He says he, he, that, 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 that this Holy Spirit that's come down is the exceeding greatness of his power. God created the world. He formed the world. He put it all in existence. He spoke it all into existence. I'd say it's some pretty great power. But he says the exceeding greatness of his power. How do we get defeated then? How do we let the devil rule? How do we live in torment? Come on, folks. Listen to me. I'm just preaching good here. How do we live in depression? How do we live in discouragement? How do we walk around and say, oh, woe is me? When God Almighty has said he's going to give you the exceeding greatness of his power. I think we missed something somewhere. Now here it goes on. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his might. Listen, according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The Holy Ghost raised Jesus from the dead. Y'all see that? It says it right there. The Holy Spirit's what raised Jesus from the dead. And that exceeding great power is available to you. Hear what I'm saying? The only thing that can defeat the exceeding great power of God is your free will. Because if you want to stay mad, you can stay mad and God will let you stay mad. If you want to stay in unforgiveness, he'll let you stay there in unforgiveness because he will not violate your free will. Your free will is the most powerful thing that there is. It can stop the exceeding greatness of God's power. You don't want to succeed. You want to stay angry. You want to stay bitter. You want to stay mean. You want your face to dry up like you've been sucking on lemons and, and just be an old prune and stay mad. Then bless God, you can. God will let you. So how dare you talk to me like that? It's truth. But do you want to get free? And you want to defeat the devil? And you want to walk in love? And you want to walk in peace, you want to walk in grace, you want to walk in power in your life, you want to have victory over the enemy in your life, then his exceeding greatness of his power is directed towards you and you can do it. Go to Romans chapter 8 verse 10. Let me show you this again. Just in case you didn't believe me on that one. Romans 8.10, 
It says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, what? The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead? There it is again. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That is the same exceeding power that knocked Jesus out of the grave is in you. By virtue of the Holy Spirit. And so we don't want this. We're too scared. We don't want to have the Holy Spirit in our life. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Now let me go to another scripture. Go to Luke 4.18. Luke 4.18. So the first thing I want to show you is there is power in your life. Okay, but what is this power for? To exert over other Christians, to make yourself a spectacle, to make yourself a showplace, to let you be the, 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 the great Oz. No, Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus is saying this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? I'm saying why. He says because. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because... He's anointed me to preach the gospel. <clears throat> the first kind of power that's going to come out of you if you want to know if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit is the ability to share your testimony and the ability to share Jesus with somebody else and not be afraid. Folks, listen to me. If you go look, go look at 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about if you can move mountains, if you can get everybody healed, if you can do all of this stuff like this, but you don't have love, you're nothing. So God's not really so impressed with how many people you can get healed or lay hands on the blind eyes and they open or the lame and they walk as much as he is actually interested in, will you stand up in the face of adversity and preach the gospel? Are you going to stand up in the face of adversity and say, folks, listen to me, don't do that, that's wrong? I read the, the dumbest, dumbest thing I've ever read this week. That the Church of England had a, they call it a snob. Where all the bishops come together so they can vote on and putting this all in there. And they, they felt like they needed to have this meeting to address the fact that they needed to change the pronouns in the Bible because they were going to offend some people and that they had to change. This is truth. This is truth. They had to change he and our father because it would be offensive to people. So I thought to myself, I was sitting there thinking, what are you going to pray? They and them who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I thought to myself, I, I, okay, you know, I, this is not right. My thought. But I, my thought was, is, is Jesus went into the temple and just drove out the money changers with the whip, you know, made him a whip. That that's really what needed to just take place there. I needed just to kick the door down, get a whip and run them all out of there and say, y'all quit talking about this. This is stupid. 
All right, if Jesus said our Father weren't in heaven, then I'm going to say my Father weren't in heaven, and he ain't going to change it. Right? That's stupid. You're not going to have that problem here. Look, we ain't having no meeting to discuss changing the pronouns in the Bible. Okay? That's absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay? Y'all would, y'all would, y'all would throw chairs at me. Y'all wouldn't even just leave. Y'all would physically accost me if I changed and tried to do that. That's why I love you. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But see, the power to stand up and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. People don't want to do it. Because then Christians now, they're going to get, well, you're not sensitive. You don't care about the feelings of others. And, and, you're, you're like, and, and so we get to looking like the bad guy. And folks, if there's ever, we need the power of the Holy Spirit is today. Just boldly stand up and say, look, you're a fool. This is ridiculous. What are you doing? This is not the gospel. And preach the gospel. Right? The simple message of Jesus and his love for everybody in the world that he gave his. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The simple message of the gospel. Not some twisted, distorted message. The simple message of the gospel. People need to hear that. That God loves them. Okay? And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach. Now, I want to talk to you this word about, he said, anointed. That means God poured something on you. It's as if I had a a, a jug of oil here and you walked by and I poured it on you. You would say, you got anointed. Okay? What it means is the Holy Spirit comes upon you and anoints you. and, And you have this anointing in Isaiah 10, 27 says, it's that anointing that breaks yokes. In the Old Testament... When the high priest got up there and he could get the bottle of oil and he could put it on the vessel. And as soon as the oil touched the vessel, the vessel became ceremonially cleansed. Okay? It's saying the same thing. The anointing, the anointing of you preaching the message, the anointing of you being empowered by the Spirit of God, the message going forth, it is anointed and it breaks yokes. So the thing you need to understand, there's power, but there's power for what? To break yokes. What yokes? The yokes that are deceiving people. The yokes that are blinding people's eyes. The yokes that are coming on people that have got their minds messed up. Lies that have been sown into people. He goes on. He said, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus said, this is what, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deliverance, it's setting free from the devil. And what this curse in this world has done to people. Folks, listen to me, we live in a fallen world. And my heart grieves for people who have, who have been brokenhearted and hurt and wounded in life from the tragedies that happen in life because we live in a fallen, cursed world. But the Bible says that, the, that, that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to heal broken hearts. That's what our whole freedom prayer ministry is about, to to pray with people and them to be healed from their broken hearts. But if a person so chooses to just live in the midst of a festering broken heart, God is not going to deliver that person until they desire to be delivered. And I can lay hands on them until I rub all the hair off their head. It ain't going to do no good. I can pour oil on them and pour oil on them and pour oil on them. I wish it was. All folks listen to me. There's nothing more than I wish that I had the special little water flinger, you know. 
And I could just fill it with holy water. And y'all came by and I just threw it on you. And as soon as it hit you, everything in life just turned out perfect and rosy. I'd love to do that. But it don't work that way. But just as good, I have something I can do. Teach you about the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can get in your own life and you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you examine your heart and what's going on in your life and why you're feeling depressed and why you're feeling discouraged and how the devil's coming in. And you can go in there and break that yoke and be free. I'm teaching you. I'm preaching it to you. Okay? So I got three yokes here that you need to break. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The first one is the yoke of your mind. Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, what, prove what it, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen to me. The yoke of your mind. Many of us have been taught the wrong things. We've been taught wrong thinking. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and have the, be the power in your life to break the yoke of the wrong thinking in your mind. But again, you have, to, you have to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, help me here. Show me where I'm thinking wrong. I one time, I don't remember what, the, what it was I was working on, but something I was working on, and I took it apart, and then when I went to put it back together, it wouldn't go back together. It wouldn't work. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I kept, I kept feeling on the inside of me, that I should change these two screws, but I just was just refusing to do it because I knew that I took those screws out and that's the way the screws went in and I was going to put them back in that way. And I just kept doing it over and over and I'd do it. I'd take everything out, I'd look at it, put it back and I'd put it back together. The thing wouldn't work and then I'd take it apart and I'd do it back. did it about four or five times and I just kept feeling on the inside of me I need to swap these two screws. And finally I said to the Holy Spirit, what good is it going to do to swap the two screws? I don't know why you keep telling me this, I know how I put it. I took that screw out of there, and I put it right there, and I took that screw out of there, and I put it right there. I know I'm right. But just to satisfy you, I'm going to swap the two screws. And I swapped the two screws, put the thing back in together, and it worked perfect. Then who felt stupid? But why are we like that? Why do we in our mind keep doing the same thing over and over again? Getting the same result, but we want a different result, but we keep doing the same thing over again in our thinking, and we won't turn to the Holy Spirit, the power of God, and say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what I need to be doing. Help me to understand how I should be thinking about this. Help me to understand and look at this situation like I should be looking at it. The second one you'll find in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and it's the yoke of your body. Hebrews 12, 1. It says, Therefore also, since we were surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay? The second yoke in our life that needs to be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit is the yoke that holds us back because of our fleshly Desires. Okay? And the biggest one is pride. See, you think I was going to say something like, you know, drinking beer or something. 
that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, 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 the part of your life that doesn't want you to raise your hands, shout to God, pray, read your Bible. Those things in your life that keep you from really growing in the things of God because you just don't want to do it. That's the yoke that the Holy Spirit will break because you'll start to see that when you open up the Bible and you start to read it and it starts to leap off the page to you and you start to see that it's bringing you life and victory, then all of a sudden that yoke starts getting broken in your life. It's the yoke of, of you know, what I, that, that ugly message I preached a couple of weeks ago about fasting. I know that wasn't one of my best sellers. But the truth of the matter is, is, is that yoke of our bodies holding us back to where we, we, we can't be, reach our full potential. Okay? So this is the second thing that the, the, the power of God wants to do in your life. And break that off your mind. Break that off your body. And the third one, I missed it. Oh, there wasn't a third one. Well, there was a third one, but I didn't call the first one the first one. <laughs> and my numbering system is wrong, so, okay. Yeah, it's to break the yoke so that we'll preach the gospel, to break the yokes off our mind, and to break the yoke of our body so that we can do everything, okay? So that's what the power is there for, all right? So let me go on to the next thing. So now go to Luke 10. Luke 10, 17. And let me show you this. I'm winding down. Luke 10, 17. It says, in the 70 return, okay, Jesus had sent out 70 disciples to go out all through the land and preach the gospel, okay? So then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Okay, this, the third thing that you're going to find that the Holy Spirit is going to do when he comes upon you, okay, is you're going to start to get a revelation of the authority that you have in Christ. And you have total and complete authority over the devil. Whether you exercise it or not, you have it. But are you going to do anything about it? We're talking Beelzebub. Pitchfork, hoof, and a fork tail, the whole nine yards. Right out of the pit, you got authority over him. But are you going to walk in it? Or are you going to turn tail and run? It always makes me so mad. I don't watch, I've never watched scary movies. Even when I didn't know Jesus, I didn't watch scary movies. I ain't got no place for that. When you're outside in the dark all the time, you know, you don't want to watch scary movies, okay? Last thing you want to watch some werewolf movie, I mean, you're God. You're out in the bushes and hunting coons or doing whatever you're doing, and, you know, my Lord, going out to feed the animals at night, you don't watch that stuff. You don't want anything like that. So I knew that from my young childhood. I never watched scary movies. But 
in any little blip I've ever seen of anything, the priest always goes in, you know, like in, in, in the movie, and he gets thrashed. And I've always said, what a, what a show that Hollywood always shows the, the preacher gets beat up by the devil. Instead of walking in and being able to say, you know, whatever, and cast the devil out. But it's always, it's always done that way. It's always Hollywood pushes it that the preachers don't have any power over the devil. I mean, they're holding the cross and the thing's melting in their hand and the devil's just coming out. But that's not how it is at all. That's not at all how it is. The Bible says actually at the end, when we stand there in that day and we look and we see the devil, we're going to turn and we're going to say, that? That is who deceived the nations? That? So... That's kind of unimpressive, right? And I know my Bible's true, so I know it's got to be that way. But in this day and world right now, they're just, they're just toting the devil. And we got it at the Grammy Awards. Got Satan is singing. Everybody's hooping and hollering over how great the devil is. And it's going to be that? That? Little cockroach down there? And I've always just been amazed at at, at, at how the world is like God, God and the devil just like nick and tuck, not really sure who's going to win. When Jesus, when the devil rose, so you got to understand this. You can go search this out. It's, don't have time. But you, when, when, when the devil led his coup and tried to take over heaven, there was no battle. It didn't rain, rain you know, raining fire and eras and, you know, you know the, there, there was nothing. There was no long, drawn-out process. It was simply this. The devil rose up, and Jesus just looked at him, and he fell from heaven like lightning. There was no fight. The Bible says when Jesus comes back in his second, in his second coming, when he comes back, that he defeats the Antichrist with a look. With a look, he just looks at him. End of it. Yet because he has to ramp himself up. He has to influence you to where you feel like he's got all this power and authority and he's like, man, oh me, oh, you know. And I don't know how many people come to me and, and they say, well, the devil told me this, the devil told me that. And I'm like, man, you're really in good contact with the devil. And obviously you seem to be thinking that he's got some validity in what he says because the devil told you you're not going to succeed and so you're in fear now. And so you obviously listen to the devil really well. People don't like it when I tell them that, but it's the truth. If you come tell me what the devil said and you, then you do it, what am I supposed to do? Right? So... My point is, Jesus said, you have authority upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus said that to you. That because of the Holy Spirit upon you, the authority lies in, with you. But what are you going to do with that authority? See, the authority always lied with Adam and Eve, but they gave it to the devil. But Jesus took it back. And now it's in your court again. And what are you going to do with it? 
If you're fearful, are you going to stand up and say, wait a minute, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, if you've been immersed and poured on you over the Holy Spirit, if you've asked to receive the Holy Spirit, then the power's on the inside of you to say, no! You're wrong! That's how you can ask, that's how you can answer yourself, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If you're just whimpering in a corner over there sucking your thumb and you can't do anything, totally immobilized by the fear of the devil, well, I'm going to tell you, you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost. You've not spent any time with Jesus to say, Lord, you said if I'd ask, I'll receive. So here I am. I'm asking today and I want to receive. Hello? See, I want to get more into operating the gifts and stuff like that. But right now, I'm just trying to lay some foundation here just to show you why the Holy Spirit is there. For you to walk in the authority He's given you. Amen. Colossians 1.13, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of darkness. What are you going to walk in? You're going to walk under His old laws or you're going to walk under your old law, your laws? You see, folks, we have a lot to learn. And I want to say this, have y'all noticed, and, and I don't care, y'all can write me a letter, don't make any difference, I ain't going to read it anyway, but have y'all noticed how these liberals get so angry when they're challenged? They're, they're angry. I mean, they'll tear your store down, burn it to the ground, and then, you know, stomp on your car, and, and these, these got some, they, they need to go to some anger management classes. I mean, they've got some anger prompts. And one day I was one day I was seeing something going on, and I, I was praying about it, and I said, Lord, you know, what is going on there? And, and, and it's just like the Holy Spirit said to me, that's just the demonic spirit. He wants to shout, get angry, and show his ferociousness so that he'll try to get people to back down. And I said, well, how do we defeat that? You know, how, how would I defeat that? And uh, he said, you take authority over it. You tell it to shut up. He said, that spirit won't listen to you unless you check it. He said, you can, you can go out there all day long and try to love it. It ain't going to do no good. It's like a, you know, rabid dog just going to keep trying to bite you. He said, you just take authority over it. Tell it to shut up and sit down. Well, I kind of like that, Lord. You see, Christians were too timid. We sit back and let everything get run over us when we should take authority and say, no, that's not right. You don't have to get angry. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to cuss. You don't have to throw stuff. You don't have to threaten anybody. No, you just take authority because that's you have authority. You just get up there and say, look, that's not right. And we're not going to do that. We're not going that direction. Do you understand? Sit down. Be quiet. Folks, it is walking in love. People say, oh, walking in love is what I'm happy. No, that's called spoiling your child. Love is discipline. God bless all y'all. All I can say is if I'm offending you right now, well, you need to know Jesus. Amen? Okay, I'm through.
I've got about that much more in notes, but if I go in there, we'll never get through. And y'all are all thinking now about snacks for the Super Bowl. And I might as well just give up. Okay, stand up if you would. Let me have a prayer team come down. For those of you watching, listen to me. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is cry out and say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood and make me whole. He will right there. He'll touch you wherever you are. If you're in here in the building today and you're not sure that, that you know Jesus, well, then that's why we have prayer team people up here. If you're not sure you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we'll come forward and just ask, and they'll pray with you, and, and you can be filled and go out and take authority and break yokes and do everything that Jesus called you to do. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, you know, you're a winner. Amen. Let me pray over you. Let me bless you. And we're here to pray for if you need it. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name. The Lord, I pray over everybody here. I pray over everybody watching, listening. I just declare, Lord God, that this message is going to, of the power of the Holy Spirit in their life is going to sink into them. That, Lord, today they're going to grab hold of, they're going to take authority over the enemy and his lies that he's placed within their minds. They're going to break yokes. They're going to break yokes over their bodies. They're going to break yokes over their minds. And they're going to find the victory, Lord God, in you. Lord, I pray today over every one of them that their eyes are enlightened and that their wisdom comes to them. And that, Lord, all the things that you promised us are theirs. And that, Lord, they're going to see more power and victory flowing in their life than ever before. And, Lord, we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. We praise you today that you are with us and has sent the power of the Holy Spirit upon us. So, Lord, as we go out in this world, let us be witnesses for you. Let us go out in this world and preach the uncompromising word of God and see people saved and their hearts turn to you. So, Lord, bless them now, and we thank you for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.